one. So it's a bit odd, isn't it? A bit strange, but there we go. Uh, so we're continuing our series on everyday supernatural, uh, following uh, Dale's preach last week when he talked about some of the gifts that we'll be looking at in more detail over the next few weeks. Uh, and this week I'm going to do a bit of a, uh, a, a more general subject of hearing from God. And if you've looked at the book, you'll know that there is a chapter on hearing from God and both Mike Pilavachi and Andy Croft use that as an opportunity to share uh, experiences and things that they've tried and, you know, where they've early days of uh, stepping out uh, in believing that they heard from God. And so I thought I would do something similar. So this morning I'm going to walk through the first four years of our marriage and talk about ways in which God spoke to us. Uh, and I thought that would just be a bit different. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Uh, and I've got um, three things I just want to say first of all. The first is discernment. The second is peace. And the third is opportunity. So of all the things I'm going to talk about, and as we look at the gifts in particular, we need to discern. So if we've heard from God, is it for me? Is it for someone else? Is it for now? Is it for later? You know, we need to, we need to discern what we should do with what we've heard. And we also need to experience peace in conjunction with that. So that if you think, oh, this is for, you know, Christian, right. Oh, I don't know, maybe, you know, if that sense of unease, then you don't do it. But if you're feeling peaceful, no, I, do, I think this is right, I'll go for it. So and I, I think that applies through all the things that I'm going to say this morning. And then finally, opportunity. I'm hoping uh, that at the end of this, there will be opportunity for us to hear from God through you. Okay, so it may be God's already spoken to you. Maybe he's given you a verse or something in your mind through the worship and there wasn't opportunity to share it. Well, there'll be opportunity at the end. But also, I want you to amazingly do two things this morning. As you listen to me, I want you to listen to God. And actually, it may be better if you listen to God more <laughs> than you listen to God. We won't go there. So, uh, Liz and I were uh, married in October 1977. So we've been married just over 45 years. And we got engaged in the May of that year. So we had five, just about five months in terms of preparation and planning and organisation and so on. And so you can imagine there were lots of things that needed to be done and organised and planned. And one of the things that we needed to think about was were we going to stay where we were? Not so much where we're going to live, but are we going to stay in the area? And we were living just up the road in Whiteleaf. We'd been born and brought up there. We were part of the church in Whiteleaf. Liz had been pretty much born in the church and come up right through uh, everything in the church. And I joined it as a sort of early teenager. So I'd been there maybe, I don't know, six, seven years, something like that. And so it was like, well... Are we going to stay in this area? Are we going to stay in this church? Is this a moment when God might say to us, move on, go somewhere else, do something different? And part of the reason for that was that 
we were just beginning to explore the things of the Spirit. Uh, but the church was quite resistant. And so we thought, well, is this, is this a good moment when we should be, you know, as it were, looking elsewhere, seeking for another church that might be more open to the things of the Spirit? And my first point is silence. Because that's exactly what we experienced. We prayed, we discussed it, we talked to other people about it, and we heard nothing. Nothing at all. Now you may think that silence is a strange place to start when talking about hearing from God. But it's a chronological story, uh, and that's where it started. But also, we do need to realise that sometimes God doesn't speak about something. And we were in that position. So what were we to do? Well, we stayed. Because we were saying, God, should we move? Should we go somewhere? Should we look for somewhere else? And silence seemed to us to indicate, no, we shouldn't <laughs> go anywhere else. Now, again, we need to discern that. Was that the right thing? We felt peace. Yes, this was the right thing to do. And we were quite comfortable. Okay, we've, we've made our decision, even though we've not specifically heard anything from God about that. We stayed where we were, at least for a little while. Secondly, visions... I've got a few points, so I'm not going to go into them loads of detail. Secondly, visions, dreams and pictures. And in Joel chapter 2, we read this. It will come about that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will have dreams and your young men will see visions. God has promised that. So in the Old Testament, there was this promise that one day the Spirit would come, and that happened at Pentecost. And we see visions and we have dreams about things that God wants to communicate to us. You know, quite often now we talk about, I've got this picture in my mind, and it's like it's been sort of placed there. I don't know where it's come from. Well, in about, I guess in, within the first year of our marriage, I had a vision. And it was a vision of me standing in the front of the church in Whiteleaf. And there were a few more bits about it, but that was effectively it. And so we started to pray, what does this mean? And we talked about it, and we had trusted friends and leaders that we talked to. And we said, what, what do you think this might mean? Uh, and what do we learn from this? What are we going to do about it? And so we started to explore. And it seemed at the time that it, it was an indication that we should have some role or responsibility of leadership. And we didn't know what it was, we didn't know what it looked like, but that was the... So we thought, okay, so we'll start to explore what that might mean. We'd seen this... It was a start of something that God was beginning to say to us. Thirdly, able and available. And around about the same time as we were wondering what this vision might mean, I was invited to join what was called the Church Council. And it was like a leadership team come a body of deacons, and it, we, the church there in Whiteleaf was a, what we would call a one-man ministry. 
it was a you know one pastor who sort of led the church and the, the church council supported him, looked after practical things and so on. The problem was we hadn't got a one man. We, the previous pastor had retired and so there wasn't anyone in that position and so the church council had a bit more responsibility to do certain things and so I was invited would I like to join the church council? Now, I'm, I'm sure I did pray about it, but for me, it was like, well, I'm able, and I'm available. So, you know, why do I need to hear any more about whether I should get involved? And I think sometimes, and I'm not saying this about everything, but I think sometimes we over-spiritualise things. And, you know, if somebody said to you, I'm moving a load of stuff in my house and I've got a van and I wonder if you'd give me a hand. Well, I'd pray about it. And it's like, well, when? Well, Thursday afternoon. Yeah, I'm available. Yes, I can give you a hand. I'm able and I'm av- I don't need to pray about it. You know, if somebody says to you, do you fancy a coffee? I'll pray about it and let you know. (laughs) You know, these opportunities like that where it's really more about serving one another. I'm I'm less inclined to pray about it and more inclined to say, am I able and am I available? In which case, yeah, let's give it a shot. And remembering what I said at the beginning about discernment and peace. You know, yes, we can step into something and then say, I'm not so easy about it. I don't feel so comfortable. Maybe I need to step back. Or maybe I just need to get involved in this and help and serve. And I think there's something that we, we, we're good at serving in this church, but you know what? We could get better. And I think that's a great opportunity. Am I able and am I available? Yeah, let's see. Let's step in and help. Fourthly, the Bible. At last, you're thinking, he's got something a bit decent, you know. (laughs) The Bible is evidence that God is a God who speaks. He's spoken to us through chapter after chapter, book after book, uh, where he speaks to us about uh, amazing things that he wants us, and he's delighted for us to be involved in. And, you know, he wants us to preach the gospel, to make disciples, to love one another, to heal the sick, to love our neighbour, to remember the poor. These are all things that he has specifically said to us that we should get involved in and we should be open and expecting those things to be part of our daily lives. You know, that we're open to those ideas uh, and opportunities. But in addition, God speaks to us when we're reading the Bible and bam, something just comes alive and it's like oh that's spoken to me now remember I said when we because you see if you don't read this it's very hard for God to speak to you through the Bible so there's there's the starter to read it but when we do God opens things up maybe a a verse comes out at you and that's what happened to me I was reading the Bible, and it was in relation to, you know, what were we going to do about this vision that we had? And I, I read this verse from 2 Kings, and it says this, This shall be the sign for you. You will eat this year what grows of itself, 
in the second year what springs from the same, and in the third year sow, reap, plant vineyards, and eat their fruit. Now, I didn't feel that God was calling me to be a farmer, but he had given me a timeline and a deadline. He was a, like, you've got two years to work out, to listen, to find out what it is I want for you, and then in the third year, it's going to open up to you. And so we started to explore more deliberately. We now, we now had a timeline to work to. This was something that was like, well, we're not going to sit back, put our feet up and say, okay, God, what are you going to do? Because, you know, plants don't, get, don't grow without being planted. You know, the sow and reap, where there was an activity to that. So it's like, okay, we need to press in and see what it is that God's going to speak to us about the future. And so we started to pray more, and we started to speak to our trusted friends, we spoke to our leaders, and over a period of time, we looked at all sorts of different things. Should we join a missionary society? Should we go and, and get involved in a leadership in a church somewhere? What, what is it we should be doing? And where we got to was that we felt the next step was to go to Bible college. And so we thought, okay, and so as time went on we looked at different Bible colleges around the country and there were lots around and uh, you may think oh well you know if you want to go to Bible college you just make an application and off you go and you know you just go and join in well it wasn't quite like that back then it may be that now but back then it, there was often a waiting list and you know you might not get accepted and you might apply and they say no and so we looked at various colleges and we chose three. And we looked at Birmingham Bible Institute, we looked at London Bible College, and we looked at Moreland's Bible College. And uh, we went to visit each one and found out how they operated and what they did and so on. And then we applied to all three and we said to God, OK, well, either we don't get accepted by any of them, or the one that we get accepted by, that's the one that we'll go to. So that's what we did. Fifthly, preferences, desires, likes and dislikes. Now guess what happened? We got the first one back, Birmingham Bible Institute. Accepted. Oh wow. Hey Liz, we're going to Birmingham. London Bible College. Accepted. Ah. Ah, that was a bit of a challenge. We weren't expecting that. Moreland's Bible College. Accepted. Ah. Now what do we do? And as I say, we talked to various people and we felt that. It was like God saying to us, Well, what do you want? Where do you want to go? And, you know, I believe that God has made us. You know, we read in the Bible that he knitted us together in our mother's womb. That's not just a physical thing, but, you know, our family that we grew up in, that's where he placed us. And you might think, oh, it was a dysfunctional family. Well, that's something of what God wanted to build into you. And, you know, if you were born and brought up in India, you would like curry. You know, if you're born and brought up in... England, you might not like curry. 
you know, and there's those likes and dislikes are all part of our upbringing and where God has put us. And so we thought, well, okay, we'll, we'll start to make a priority list. And so we looked at Birmingham Bible Institute and we said, well, there were, there were one or two things that we, we weren't quite sure about. I mean, it was okay and we liked certain things, but we thought, okay, we'll put that bottom of the list. And then we looked at London Bible College, and to be honest, I was amazed that they accepted me, because I, I didn't have a great academic background, and London Bible College, I considered uh, out of those three, is probably the most academic of the lot. I was in, it was incredible to me that they had considered uh, accepting me, and we thought, well, maybe it is going to be a little bit too academic for me. I'm not the brightest of buttons, you know. And so it's like, okay, well, what about Morelands? Well, Morelands, we thought, oh, actually, we, we, like, the, we like the staff. We, we got good reports from the students. We, had a, we felt like it had a nice atmosphere and we felt comfortable there. Well, okay, Morelands were put at the top of the list. And so then we went through a process of a bit of discernment. Well, okay, we think, we think we're going to accept Morelands. And so we... We sort of started to make those steps towards it, and we felt peaceful. And so it was strange, but it felt like we heard from God through our own likes and desires, or even dislikes. And so we accepted Moreland's Bible College, and we went there. Sixthly, principles. Now, this is a funny one. Um, when uh, I was part of the church council and over the period that we were that, that sort, of our, sort of two years before we got into our third year um, we were looking for somebody to be our pastor at the church and we invited different people to come and preach and spoke to the council and certain, certain people we didn't invite back uh, and it got to a point where one guy was uh, you know, rising up the list, as it were. And we had a church council meeting where we said, well, okay, what do we think about this guy? We've heard him preach, we've spoken to us, you know, let's have a discussion about whether we feel we could, you know, and the guy's not perfect, but we, we, yeah, there were positive things about him. And so we had a discussion. And it got to the point where it was like, okay, well, what do you think? Yes. 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 Kevin. No. Why not? And I said, well, some of the things that, you know, we've been talking about, well, what in particular? I said, well, there's two things. The first is that he's an out-and-out evangelist. You know, he would be very happy to have a, a crowd of 500 or 1,000 people. He would preach the gospel brilliantly. People would get saved. And I said, it's not that I'm against that, but I felt that we as a church needed a pastor. And yes, we needed to be pressing into evangelism, but I felt that having not had a pastor for a number of years, we needed to have a pastor to pastor the church. And that was a principle that I understood from the word. And so I said, that's the first point. The second point is that we were pr pressing in harder, as it were, to the things of the spirit. And the church was beginning to soften. Uh, it wasn't all the way there yet, but it was, it was heading in a direction. This guy was totally against the things of the Spirit. 
He didn't feel that there was a baptism in the Spirit. He felt that the all the gifts had gone, and were, you know, for the for the old te- for the New Testament days. And so it, it was like, well, he's not going to lead us into a direction that we currently feel like we're going. And so I said, I, I can't accept that this guy is the right person. And so we had a bit of a stalemate. And it wasn't a very easy meeting. It was a little bit tense. And so, you know, we said, OK, we'll, we'll meet again in a week's time. And I think the hope was that Kevin would change his mind. And, and so, you know, we didn't want to leave this guy in the lurch and having to wait. But the thing is, you know, we, we have the Bible and we have things in here that we believe God has said to us. And it may well be that, you know, even in this room, there are differences of interpretation of what's there in the Bible. But certain things you've just got to hold to if that's what you believe. And I think when God speaks to us, he does it in, in the sense of what we understand from what he said to us. So it may be different for other people, but you've got to hold to what you believe. And so I, as it were, stuck to my guns and I felt, no, that's what I think. And I don't think he's the right man for the church at that time. Seventh point, ideas, creativity and skills. Now, we said earlier, I said earlier, that God made us. And he put us together and he gives us gifts that we can use and he gives us skills and creativity that we, I think, should use. And we do. You know, Quincy's playing the guitar. James is playing the con. Not all of us could do that. Those are skills that they have learnt. And, you know, they obviously may have had some starter and have, you know, enhanced it by practice. Let me give you a couple of illustrations. Um, this guy playing the piano. And he's playing beautifully. It's fantastic. Superb. And at the end of it, somebody goes up to him and said... That was magnificent, absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much. And the guy says, well, thank you, but it wasn't me, it was Jesus. And he said, well, it looked like your fingers. <laughs> you know, and that's, they, are, they are skills that God has given us. Let me give you another illustration from Tempting Bowling. It w- a preach wouldn't be complete without a Tempting So... I'm, I'm there's me bowling in a tournament. I bowl the ball down, and the pins just scatter. Bam! Strike. Done. Sorted. And I come back, and one of the guys says, "Fantastic shot, Kevin. Well done. Superb." And I go, "Well, it wasn't me. It was God." Now, the problem with that is, on my next shot. <laughs> You see, did, did, was God then distracted? You know, and he had something better to do. Or was it that just very, you know, accurate in that moment? And so I think God has given us these things. And yes, it's right that we're humble, but we should own the fact that God has skilled us. He has put creativity within us. And so we should use it. Not claim it, so aren't I wonderful, you know, in in an arrogant way. But I went to that next council meeting 
with a cunning plan. Now, whether it was my cunning plan or whether it was one that God had dropped into my head, I couldn't possibly say. But I went with that plan. And so I, I said to the guys, look, I could resign from the council and you can carry on. And they said, yeah, but the problem is we want to present a united front, a unanimous presentation, as it were, to the church to say we think this is the guy who should lead us. And if you step down, people are going to say, why? And, you know, and I'll say, well, because I didn't think this was going, you know, that's not going to help. And so I said, yes, but we wouldn't have done this quite so soon. But in nine or ten months' time, we're going to be going off to Bible college. And so I can resign and say, we've got things to plan, to prepare, to organise, to work out, to go to college. And you can then get on with a decision if you think that's the right thing to do. And I, I don't have to be involved in that. And so they, they said, that's really helpful. Thank you. So I resigned early. Uh, and, you know, we talked to people about we're, when they're heading off to college and so on. And the church then invited this guy to be their pastor. Now, the great thing about that was there was no animosity. Because the church supported us financially all the way through our three years of college. And, you know, we, we were hugely grateful for that. It was a real blessing to us. And it just felt like God worked things out. But there was a problem. And that was that uh, he, this guy was invited. And so there was a date set when he was going to be inducted as the pastor of the church. So were Liz and I going to go? Because if we went, we would almost be saying, we, we agree with this decision that he is you know, now our pastor. We're part of this and if we weren't to go then it could be slightly awkward well why aren't you there well because we don't think he's the right man you know that's not going to help and we found that God in an amazing way worked that out for us because the invitation had been given to this guy and the date was set as the 13th of June 1981 when he was going to be inducted as pastor of the church there in Whiteleaf and at the time, Liz was pregnant, and uh, she was due sometime at the end of June. Uh, and at the beginning of the month, she went to the hospital for a normal checkup, and they discovered that she had preeclampsia. And so she was kept in immediately. And she stayed there for a week or so, and they said, listen, if, if this doesn't get any better, then we're going to have to induce you. And it didn't get any better. And so they set the date for Liz to be induced as Saturday the 13th of June, 1981. And I just found it ironic that this guy was being inducted the moment that Liz was being induced. Even the similarity of the words pleased me. And so, you know, but it, it, was, it came about through a creative solution and it felt like we heard from God through a good idea and I think you know we, we've just got to open our eyes and minds to the ways the different ways in which God speaks to us and as we step into this series of specific gifts 
be open to the creative ways that God speaks to us. He's, he is a God who is creative and he's made us in his image. And then uh, eighthly, my eighth point, I haven't had many preachers with eight points before, uh, confidence. I think it's really important that we remember that God is more interested in speaking to us than we are hearing or listening to him. And so if you, in your mind, are thinking, oh, I've got this, I'm not sure what it is. You know, is it from God? Am I making it up? Did I have too much cheese last night? You know, what is all this about? Be more confident in God than in you. Be confident that God is speaking rather than you are making it up. It's better to step out and feel like, I'm not sure that was right, than to step back and somebody doesn't receive the word that God wanted for them. So I would say be confident. And I'll, I'll give you an illustration. Um, some weeks ago, I was preaching and I mentioned uh, that uh, when we were back in Brighton, um, Terry was uh, taking a church weekend for us, Terry Virgo. And in our staff prayer meeting on a Tuesday, uh, he said, I don't know what I'm preaching on. No idea. I've got four sessions. No idea what I'm going to be talking about. And I said there was a prophetic word about Terry's half-time team talk. Well, I brought that prophetic word. And I brought it as we were praying for Terry because he had a rugby shirt on with a logo on it. And that was what prompted me to think manager, team talk. And out of that came this prophetic word. Well, on Thursday, just a few days ago, uh, we had our new grand local here. I was, funny enough, standing about here, and we were praying for people, and I was praying for a couple of guys from the local churches in Newground. And as we started to pray, I noticed this guy got a logo on his shirt. It wasn't a rugby shirt, it was a different logo. And I started to see the opportunity for a prophetic word from this logo. And I immediately shut it down, thinking, Kevin, you've done that before, and you reminded the church about it only just a few weeks ago. That can't be God speaking to you. But then, it just, I, I couldn't get my eyes off this logo. And even when I shut my eyes, it felt like it was still there. And so I thought, well, okay, I've, I'm going to be talking on Sunday about confidence that God is speaking. So I'm going to go for it. So I brought a prophetic word based on this logo on this guy's shirt. And then to reinforce it, I prayed it in. And I think I would say, you know, if you're not sure, go full out. Don't, don't start to say, well, no, I've, got, I've got this word and, and I've done it before and I think it's on your logo, but I'm not really sure. You know, that's not going to give anyone confidence that this is God speaking. So I just went for it, prophesied it, prayed it in. And when I'd finished... He said to me, that's amazing, that's exactly what I've been thinking about the last two weeks. Now I could have gone, no, it's a logo, I've done that before. And God says, yeah, that's why I'm doing it, to give you, you know, it's very easy for us to think, no, it's just me, it's just me. No, it's not, it's God, because God is a God who speaks, and we need to hear Amen. 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 So now.